Hello everybody and welcome to No Time to Grind, it's the podcast for the busy gamer. You've found yourself in a little extra sode. These ones take place between our big book club style game of the month where we like to you know, have a bit of a chat, see what's happening in the world news, gaming news, the news of our lives. Joining me as always, Adrian. Hello. And Matt. Hello. And the biggest news really at the moment uh, is E3. It's still going as of time of recording. Yeah, smack bang right in the middle and there's like half announcements and like trailers for announcements, but like not too much has come out yet. At least too much as interests me. But um, if I wanted to pick something right now, the thing that interests me most is, and I think this is going to be obvious, Elden Ring. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the next From Software, is it possibly combining all the From Software into one? It, yeah, it definitely looks, looks like, like it. it. Yeah. Oh, my God. You've got these freaks of natures and werewolves from Bloodborne. You've got the dragon performing uh, lightning bending from Sekiro. Like, and then everything has that Dark Souls backdrop, that familiar feel. I'm, like, I'm lucky it was just not enough. I I didn't want to watch the trailer at first because I thought it would consume me, but then it was just not enough. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I'll look forward to that. Yeah, I think it was like it showed off enough to be like, okay, it's real. They're actually doing it. Good. <laughs> and sort of, yeah, the vibe, which definitely I was like, is this Dark Souls 4? I mean, I'm cool with that. Uh, but lots of unique and cool improvements. So, like, full open world. You you were right, um, Michael. Like apparently roaming encounters, so you one boss, you know, we or more might end up fighting the same boss in different locations, kind of deal. So, um, well, that's what happens if you and, add horse, you know, it's going open, and the horse can double jump. So, this the games are really advancing from zero jumps to single jumps <laughs> to now double jumps. Can you fight while still on the horse? They did sort of imply mm. that, like a joust, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they had a yeah, joust, I was gonna say, like. So there's going to be, I reckon, just at least one specific enemy type where you're like, oh, got to get on the horse. But it looks like the horse will be like a summonable thing, so it'll be really easy to summon and de-summon. What are you looking forward to, Matt? I, t- I honestly don't know. There's actually so many things that I've looked at and I've gone like, wow, that's really good for, like, good for you. Like, for example, <laughs> Idos Montreal doing Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like good... Good on you. That's nice. I'm not going to touch it because I don't trust Marvel <laughs> games right now. <laughs> I've been like, burned before. Marvel but it's like good, good for you for still trying. Uh, Jack Sparrow going to Sea of Thieves. It's like, yeah, that's really that's a good move. I, I probably won't be there, but that's a good move. Uh, and then because that's, yeah, it's pretty much how it's been. Like, as soon as, I don't know if Ubisoft was first, but Ubisoft was the first one that I got hit with, and it was um, Mario Rabbids 2 and the uh, Avatar game, and it's it's just like, yeah, that's great. That's good for you. And that's it. Like, I'm not being facetious. I sound a bit more facetious than I mean to be because I've got a cold, but it's like, that's like it is legitimately. I'm happy that you're doing that. Yeah, I'll see you next time. It's like, oh, that looks like a good decision, but I'm like not going to be there. 
I do what like the sounds of more Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle because that is like we've played the likes of XCOM here on the show before. I'm a big fan of tactic style games, and the first one was really good. Uh, and it looks like they're trying to make it more fluid and maybe give it their own spin because it was really just kind of a reskinned tactics game. Whereas the new trailer is suggesting that it's at least a kind that I've never played before where you could potentially just have a, an area that you can exist in and maybe a certain amount of moves, but you, the, the grid is gone. And so that would be interesting to see. Also, um, I don't know if it's Super E3, but the trailer came out at the same time. Uh, Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance. That yes, that's that's out real soon. Of course, based on the previous Dark Alliance games from like back on PS2. Oh, um, I'm so keen. And then, yeah, I'd, I had heard that they were making one and then suddenly out of nowhere, kind of the same, I guess, with Guardians of the Galaxy, it felt like, a okay, it's ready to go. Like Guardians of the Galaxy comes out October. This comes out in two weeks. They're like, here it is. It's ready to go. We And I want more of that. E3 for too long has been, hey, do you want this game in, like, three years? Get excited. I'm like, no, tell me that it's ready, like, this year and get me hyped for now. I'm sick of I'm sick of drawing out the hype. I'm looking at you, okay. Bethesda. Bethesda. Yeah, I was going to say, do you remember when Bethesda would be like, Fallout 4 is coming this year? And it was like, oh, my God. And then now it's like, uh, Starfield coming never for you guys, not for you three. You don't have a good enough PC. It's not going on PlayStation. You don't get it. That that uh, little gripe you have segues beautifully into the theme I kind of want to talk about with this episode if we're ready to move on. I'm ready. Okay. So this thought got kicked off from a lot of the cyberpunk stuff, but it culminated into this, this question. Um, and I'll say it, but then I'll kind of explain some different sub-questions I have. So, the main topic is how slash can you can we create like the perfect review formula for a video game? And this stems from the questions of like, I had a lot of thoughts about games and other reviewers and what they were including in their reviews. Um. So let's just off the bat, let's just have that question. Do you think that's an answerable question? Do you think there is a right, like, do you think there can be a way where it's like, ah, yes, we've calculated everything and this is how we weigh everything for the perfect review of a video game? Um, No. Okay, next question. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, one sentence is fine. If you're asking, is there a good way to do a review? I think the answer is yes. But I don't think it can work for every game, if that makes sense. Um, I don't like. I don't think we can put every game into the same like Punnett Square, tick these boxes kind of thing. But games should be looking at particular aspects always. Like reviews should always look at some particular things. And I feel in recent times they've moved away from that and. Uh, reviewers are so much you see a piece of the reviewer in their review and it's always going to be there because it's a subjective medium but i feel like there's too much of it now where 
is huge discrepancies where like a GameSpot came out. I can't remember what it was, but they absolutely hated something. Gave it like a four out of ten, and yet every other reviewer was like, "No, this is at least like a six or a seven. Like you're wrong. It's not." It's not a below-average game. What are you doing? And it's because it was the too much of the opinion of the player. That got yeah, too someone who doesn't like that that gameplay saying yeah. that his gameplay sucks. But it's like, but let's look at the let's look at the graphics. Let's look at the the soundtrack. Let's look at the story. Let's look at the mechanics. Like there, there needs to be categories to it. If that's part of what you're asking. Like there needs yeah, to be a way. Yeah. So I want us to talk about some specific sort of categories because I, 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 upon my own thoughts, I kind of agree with you. Where it's like, I uh, know I don't think there is. There's no way to do like a perfect formula that will that will scan across everything. But I think if you categorize at least a lot of stuff, you can get some level of standardization across games. You could definitely get close. I I said no because like even in graphics, it's like. Okay, uh, how about the graphics for Final Fantasy VII Remake? They're really good. But how about the graphics for Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney? Well, I mean, it's kind of perfect, but at the same time doesn't even come close to Final Fantasy because Final Fantasy is hitting that but I think specific, with, more realistic style. I so think it's like something like that, what are you trying to achieve? Yeah, it's appropriateness. 2D. Yeah, Yeah, so are graphics appropriate? Some graphics, they're like, oh, it's so good, and they're like muddy as hell, and textures are really low, and that's that's no good. That's not what you wanted. You want me to think better of it. But Phoenix, right, you're like, "Mm, that's a tasty, slick-haired boy throwing his finger up. (laughs) That's what you wanted. (laughs) I can see that. But then I, I think that's good because everything should almost like kind of it's like everything is fractional under its own scope. Like um, maybe you could do something like, because I was about to throw old school RuneScape into the graphics comparison where it's like that does what it's trying to achieve. So it's like maybe graphics is like one, but the scope is one. So one over one, they nailed the graphics. But then gameplay, they're trying to do all these different things and they're like, you know, very vastly different you have some skills that are so specific like um fire making you make a fire that's kind of it there's a few different things but that's kind of it and then you've got crafting which is from jewelry to glass one da, 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 da. so it's like you could put that gameplay over a larger denominator because you're saying they're like basically you're saying i think that they're trying to shoot for let's say like an 80 and then they achieved a 60, which would be better than if you just assumed they were trying to shoot for 100. Because, like, and that's, I think that's a good way, but it would make it a lot. That's where the real subjectiveness, I think, would come in, would be, what do you think they're going for? Like, I would say that the developer for Phasmophobia is kind of going for the style that it currently is, which is a little glitchy, a little bit like... Gary's mod, like the ghosts just kind of slide on the spot. (laughs) Um, And to be honest, that scares me more because it's like, oh, no, the game's glitching. I'm scared. Um, And so it's like the the game matches the scope and thus it reaches a higher percentage when you add all of these fractions up. 
So going back to your original statement about E3 and games getting you know announced too early, I want another one of the sub questions that I was thinking about, and it was kind of in relation to Cyberpunk. I was watching a reviewer, and they were saying like, you know, we waited so long for this game, um, and this is how it comes out, so it's really bad. Do do we consider as a more like general thought? Should one consider how long a game took to release into account? I feel like it's less the time it took and more the promises broken, you know? So that's actually another good point I was going to um, bring up. Uh, Should you? This is one of the biggest thoughts I had. Do you review a game solely in its release form? Like, this is the thing we got. This is what I'm... Because, like, I was thinking it was comparing it to, like, other mediums, right? Um, like, let's talk about albums, right? Like, if if sometimes albums don't come out sounding the same as bands might market themselves as. Um, but I don't think people usually take a lot of score off for that. But I think in the games industry, a lot of people will go, oh, well, we were told for this game was going to be this but it wasn't like another great example would be um, no man's sky. Should that game get on release, get scored down further because it what not only let's just say it was not only like well-made, not well-made, but also they promised us the sky and we got a tree. Like, you know, well, I think it would relate to music. This doesn't happen in music, but imagine if a band said, uh, we're doing a double album. And that's what they've announced. That they're doing like it's got like twenty tracks. It's a big double album. It's a magnum opus, and then it comes out and there's eleven. And everyone's like, "Where are the other tracks?" And they're like, "Oh, yeah, we kind of got rid of them in the end. Sorry." Like it feels like that. It doesn't really work in the medium of music or even probably movies. Uh, I think that's more. They're more like taste based. And it's funny that I say taste. I feel like games and their promises are food on menus. So if you order, if you order a meal, say a burger, and it says that it's going to have like the patty, cheese, tomato, lettuce, onion, sauce, and mustard, and then it's missing the cheese, you'd be like, uh, "Hey, can I?" Like it said, it had cheese. Uh, where's the cheese? Like, I, f- I find it is like food. It's like, you promised me that. That's what I believed I was getting, and now it's missing. And so I think they have to be very careful with their marketing as games. Don't don't promise it if you can't deliver it. Because we are going to consume it like food, and we're going to be like, I am dissatisfied. I was really looking forward to this meal. So in the case of Cyberpunk... Like, because obviously things change in development, right? Games can shift entire, like, focuses and fields and scopes in the years they're developed. So... Well, so many games have changed the way, like, they, you know, they started as like, oh, we started this game as like an isometric game. And then we realized that, no, it actually played really well in third person. And so now it's a third person game. It's like, if you're at that stage of your development, like, don't be telling people about it. 
We know games yeah. take a long time. That's too early. If your game shifts significantly, you've jumped too early in your marketing department. And maybe that's the fault of publishers. Maybe devs are like, hey, we don't know where this is going. I know you're really excited for this, but this is definitely not the finished product. So publishers so, could be the ones who are running out of control. But should the final product, the work of art, let's say, be judged on its marketing? I think it just I think it just happens inevitably. Especially if you don't if it's not if it's not confirmed soon enough in advance, you are not getting the product you wanted to begin with. You know, like you, so you are actually reviewing what they said they're going to send you to review. And so it's going to lose marks because you're like, hey, you said it have this and it's not here. You lose marks because you did not deliver it. So you ha- yeah. they have to be clear in the lead up. They're like, hey, this has changed a lot. Um, and all they often do is like slap on a little bit of like uh, not representative of the final product. And it's like, no. They need to be more clear if your game is changing significantly, like No Man's Sky. They and this and the devs, I think, were to blame in some regards. They really talked it up, and then they were like, "Here it is," <laughs> because What's it just took that? so long. But even a promise, like, correct me if I'm wrong. Feel free to um, hit us up on Facebook at No Time to Grind Podcast because I do want people to correct me if I'm wrong, but. Duke Nukem Forever, I don't think it promised a damn thing. I <laughs> don't think it said anything what it was. But because it was in development hell for quite some time, like, I played it, and, yeah, I was young, and I, but I still saw its faults, but I still was able to have a good time yeah. when I played it, while other people just absolutely smashed it down. And it's like... And I'm actually thinking on the same... I'm pretty sure the same devs... Uh, aliens, colonial marines. Yeah, what we got versus what we could have got if they just fixed a single typo, like the aliens, colonial marines that I've played because I because we fixed it was really good, but it's like, but you, technically you didn't give that to me. Technically, like, uh, like I don't know what a good analogy would be in the musical uh, at a restaurant for that would be because there's nothing else it's almost like if you got okay um, you got an album on a cd but it didn't work in a cd player you had to put it on your pc and then put it on a usb or then reburn it which that's actually really artsy like that's really (laughs) stupid but someone would totally do that they're almost like the idea they're almost like political promises you know like the the internet in australia the nbn was was promised to be one thing, and when it was delivered, it was it was not. They they cut corners, and they still technically gave us the NBN, but it was supposed to be fibre to the premises, and instead we got fibre to the node. And it's like, oh, it still works. It's still nice, but it's not what you said you were going to give us. And maybe people then invested money or so in the example of maybe you've put down a pre-order if they've opened pre-orders too early in advance and then you get a product that sucks <laughs> and you wouldn't have pre-ordered it if you knew it was missing things that they said it was going to have. Okay. So you think... 
And I'm not disagreeing with anyone here. Just as a disclaimer, I'm just more playing devil's advocate, devil's discussionary uh, leader. Because it's, it's a curious thought. Because I want to shift the discussion now from, let's go from the marketing to, should a game that's just been released be be influenced by previous iterations, prequel, like previous games, games in a similar genre. Um, like, you know, a lot of Zelda games up until Breath of the Wild, as we got closer, got lower and lower scores because it had become so um, rigid and homogenous in its design to some degree. Um, See, I feel like you... As much as I would like to plug that into the equation somewhere, I feel like you'd actually need to have two whole separate scores. You'd have the one score of as it stands and as a sequel. So like Pokemon Sword and Shield as it stands is probably really good. But for me, as a sequel, it's terrible because of what it took away comparatively. So it's like there really is that. Like... um it could almost be a disclaimer for like Minecraft Dungeons and it's like if you liked Minecraft and you want Minecraft don't get this game it's a really really good game but don't get it if this is what you're looking for and that's the other thing if you're choosing to make something within the same franchise then you were accepting the burden of the legacy otherwise you would make a different IP you know yeah that's actually a pretty good point so there are lots of games that have 100% copied the Zelda formula. Like it it has redefined a genre of sort of 3D action adventure. And they're just blatant rip-offs, really. Uh, and so they also get tarnished with the legacy by being so similar that you, can, you can't. They, 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 you lose uniqueness by being a sequel. And so you will have to carry a reference. And that's why Breath of the Wild, I think, did so well. Because like you said, Zelda got too stuck in the formula. And so it was never escaping its own shadow. And so then in Breath of the Wild, they're like, let's try something different. They kept the IP, they changed the gameplay. But you could remove the IP and keep the gameplay. And that will give you a sense of uniqueness anyway. You know, the story can offer uniqueness in a game with the same gameplay. We ended up with lots of Souls-likes games because they realised people like to play games like that. So the the mechanics will be compared, but the game, being a different IP, will get some points back. Whereas, yeah, sequels that are just churning out, a la where Assassin's Creed was, where Call of Duty is, churning out the same thing in the same IP you can't get out of your own shadow. So do you think then if uh, Bloodborne in, instead was called Dark Souls for uh, Bloody Mess, just <laughs> <laughs> throw out there, it would receive a lower score? I think it would because people would be... Exp- like, people already, I think, may have actually... Like, big Dark Souls fans may have scored it lower because they already were expecting more Dark Souls. I like That's just the impression of some people. I wasn't there at the time. Um, so, again, correct me if I'm wrong, twitch.tv slash MegamatEX. That's right. I'm not, I'm not going to stop to plug. I'm just going to put it in every now and then. Well, I can really feel uh, 
and I'm glad they did it in a way. Like, I don't like Bloodborne as much as the Souls games, even though they are so very similar. I don't connect with it as much, and it was probably then good in a way that it doesn't bear the same name because I'm not judging it. I didn't judge it as a, well, this isn't Dark Souls. I just kind of went, well, this is Bloodborne. Uh, It's not really for me. Whereas I think if it was Dark Souls 4 and it had to be played like that, then I'd be like, ah, what's Dark Souls doing? Bad Dark Souls. Yeah, I think those are some very good points, actually. Um, I guess the overall thought I've had then is, do you rate something and review something isolated in its own universe? Like, surely there's... like. I understand there are factors, but part of me also says, well, surely you also have to account for this game on its own in a vacuum. Is this thing good at what it's doing? Is this thing fun? Is this thing entertaining? Whatever it needs to be. Irrelevant of the fact that it's a sequel, that the developers promised that they would be this cop system that's not in it, that um, it's 20 years old. Thoughts? Um, I think it's always going to be hard to because, like, coming from a more consumer point, it's like I always check, especially after you get burnt so many times, the reason I had faith in Marvel's Avengers was because I thought that that developer had a good pedigree. Uh, And, I mean, technically speaking, a single player, it still stood up to what they had done, but as multiplayer, dropped the ball. So it's like that's maybe something I should have considered as a consumer. So I don't think you could ever really, like, the only time you could do something on its own is if they're absolutely new. And odds are you're probably going to be cautious if it's something completely new. Like, if it's someone who, like, oh, yeah, this is, like, Hideo Kojima, uh, it no one went, oh, yeah, Death Stranding, let's compare this on its own. No, they went, let's compare it to Metal Gear. Which, that to me seems a little more, like, disingenuous because it's like, well, this is a completely new thing. Like, if it was Metal Gear 6, fair. But, like, that that feels a little less, uh, like, it's like, this is a new thing, he's doing something completely different. Maybe don't compare it to... But from someone who's played, like probably 100 hours of Death Stranding and probably tens of minutes of Metal Gear total. Uh, Add that to the list, definitely. Um, Like, I can already say, oh, yeah, this is... I'm getting the same vibe I did when I was... I don't know which Metal Gear it was, if it was 5 or Phantom Pain or if that is 5 and then the other one. I don't know. You're like crawling around and weird stuff is happening and you're a snake, but you're also some other guy. And it's like, that was such a short amount of game time. And I was right to use that in my comparison to Death Stranding. And even in a sense, PT, I've probably put more time into PT than I have Metal Gear. That's (laughs) a sin. Anyway, uh, like I'm able to make those connections. And I think... um, I'd have to look into it, but Game Freak did another game and I'm pretty sure it just kind of got washed away because people were like, 
this doesn't have the same soul as Pokemon does. But like you guys were just saying, try something new. So should you compare then to the previous work of that developer? Oh, I'm not saying if we should or shouldn't. I'm just saying it's like a curse. Like it's, I think it's always going to happen no matter what. Right. You think that people will do that regardless? I think <clears throat> you should try to do both if you can. If you can, like that's what I was saying. You have a review as it stands and a review as a sequel. And if the sequel, like, yeah, I'll let Michael talk. The, the critic who can view something in a vacuum is like the rarest critic. I'm sure it's what they actually like strive for, but human beings don't work that way. It's not possible because it would, would that be the purest form of review though? I completely, I'm just looking at this construction, how it's built right now in front of me. I'm not going to consider necessarily that the developers promise this mechanic. I'm just looking at what's in front of me and yeah. giving it a review. Like I think that is I think that is true. If if that was possible, then that would be the best representation of how it is. But at the same time, it could also be a terrible review because you as the critic have no point of reference. You might think it's good because you've experienced nothing else. So it's a double-edged sword. We need to experience like the world around us. We need to play games to know what we like about games, but then that will tarnish the games to come because you can never go back. Yeah, and if you do go back, it has consequences. Like I didn't play Ocarina of Time or Banjo-Kazooie until after I was used to systems where the camera was better, and that's like something that we can agree on is that the camera, yeah, it wasn't that good, but it's what it was at the time. But it's so hard for me to, like, look past that. It's, like, even nostalgia aside, it's, like, it's still hard for me to go, oh, yeah, it's like this, da-da-da. It's like... Well, that's the last piece of the puzzle, I think, that I have here, is how do you adjust a game score over time? Do you, is it a thing you, you know, if we were working on this perfect formula, do you have to go back and review the game every year and go, yep, this still holds up, still a nine, and then like five years down the track go, oh, actually, it's, it's starting to go down eight. Like Ocarina of Time is, as an example, considered like, you know, widely a 10 out of 10 game. Does that score, should that score, you know, lose its value? 20 plus years later i actually now this is again i want a third thing so we've got as it stands or as it stood as a sequel and as it stands because i feel like i can i can like even though i don't think it is i i'm pretty sure i'm doing a good job putting myself in the shoes of like you adrian uh and being like i can see if you played this then this would have been perfect. So as it's stood, 10 out of 10. As a sequel, uh, I mean, don't ask Raptor, am I right, fellas? <laughs> uh, and then as it stands, it's like, okay, it's no longer a 10 out of 10 because not only do we have, we finally have a successor that a lot of people agree has finally uh, stood up against it, Breath of the Wild, but like 
and then also just all like i mean you probably shouldn't but you could probably do like a blanket thing of like uh yeah uh i think it's about time we all just reduce the wii games by one point because (laughs) man motion control sucked (laughs) i think nintendo try really hard to show that their games hold currency in the modern in the modern world yeah because surely there are games that don't devalue at the same like i would say um metroid metroid prime no what's the what's the super metroid on you mean that 10 out of 10 game that it will stand the test of time yeah, forever like and this that, is coming from someone who played it like so long after yeah, it's released. Yeah, perfect example. <laughs> I think that game degrades, if at all, slower than, you know, something like... Like, I feel like GoldenEye was like a very groundbreaking 10 out of 10 game on release. That has significantly dropped in oh, yeah. score in the years. So something that came out later than Super Metroid has dropped further than Super Metroid has. So I don't think there's a blanket solution necessarily because if you tried to blanket the SNES, Super Metroid would be under underscored in my opinion. Can I just yeah. point out the fact that the, we are watching, really, we, we have watched an icon of games uh, lose his sheen over the past 30 years. And that's Who's Sonic. That? <laughs> Like, yeah, Sonic was huge in the 90s, late 80s maybe even. Absolutely big. Mascot defined Sega, went toe-to-toe with Mario. I will play probably any Mario game ahead of a Sonic game these days. Did you grow up with Sonic? I did. I had a Sega as a kid. I loved Sonic as a kid. I tried to play it when I was older, and I was like, this is not good. It hasn't aged well at all, and we've and we've watched as they've struggled to translate that into a modern game. Because guess what? It didn't actually work. We just never had anything else. So does that imply that Sonic was always a subpar score game? Let's say where well, he got and he got overstepped. Other platformers came out that conveyed the speed of Sonic, but with the more solid platforming mechanics of a Mario. Like, he got super And he's a chunk of meat, for goodness sake. He doesn't even, like, turn into a ball. He's just a chunk of meat. He's a meat boy. Yes. And he's still faster than Sonic. How does this... He got superseded. (laughs) And I think a lot of of nostalgia uh, stops people from seeing that their games have been superseded. And, like, with something like Ocarina of Time, it's so big... It's probably taken until a breath of the wild where people go, oh, actually, you know what? Maybe this finally is the best Zelda. Thanks to Ocarina of Time, has it finally been superseded? No, mate, that was Link Between Worlds. <laughs> it was Link to the Past, <laughs> if you ask enough people. Yeah, but Link to. Uh, didn't that come before Ocarina of Time? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's not a. Se- that's a prequel. You've. Oh, Just because you've myself. got your magical instrument that can make you travel between time, us linear folk have to... Uh, but the, Sonic is an interesting example because the recent Sonic game, I think Sonic Forces, it's like they realised the scope was wrong. So it's like they almost delivered 
like just a better game than say Sonic 06. Maybe much better if you ask different people, but it's to me it's like it's it's just a little better. It's not as janky, but the gameplay to me is still quote boring. Um but the thing is their scope was different. Sonic 06 it felt like they were trying to be this big deal whereas Sonic Forces they're like they reined that scope in. So it feels it doesn't feel as bad to be having a suboptimal experience. And then Sonic as well, on his own, he's just designed really well. Like, even as a 3D character, like the transition from 2D to 3D gameplay, <laughs> but he still looked good. And most of the characters still looked really good. It's, it's all comes, it's like, I think you could make this formula, but you wouldn't be able to open your review shop with it. You wouldn't be able to open your website with it. You would have to just kind of go, all right, this is our first review, uh, and then we'll see how we go. And then the next review, you realize, okay, um, I really need to think graphics versus, like, design, like Sonic, o- Sonic 06, um bad graphics question mark i don't remember but good design or same with pokemon sword and shield technically technically bad graphics but really really good designs like not to toot our own horn but maybe we could do it we are the way reviews are meant to be maybe a review should not be completed by one person maybe they should i I definitely don't think so because and this is going to come up in Undertale, I feel, but like different people have um, likes and dislikes for certain gameplay, certain graphical design choices, music. Like you brought up music before, and I thought, well, music is completely objective. Um, but that's why I'm like, if you, as a reviewer, obviously there, there are so many factors that come into play, external factors, but surely in a world where you can isolate the game on its own and say, does this do what it was meant to do? Does this do what it was meant to do? Does this? And I think that's kind of where that my thought process is coming from here. Like, sure, I don't like this music style, but does it do what it needs to do right here? Sure, the developers promised that it was going to be a metal soundtrack, but it's actually lo-fi hip-hop beats. But... Right now, as I'm playing this moment and the music is playing, is it doing what it needs to do? Does it matter that they promised me a metal soundtrack? I kind of want to see what Doom would be like with lo-fi hip-hop. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's actually interesting? So, um, yeah, because that's what I was saying about Phoenix Wright, how I didn't inherently... I wasn't inherently saying that it's good music. I was saying it perfectly, to me, captured yeah. what you were feeling when you were playing. Um, and it's like, so Undertale, for the next episode, Tem Shop is a horrible song. It physically hurts me. I will still listen to it through because I'm thinking of Tem Shop yeah. and what Tem Shop is. In and that- even though I'm wincing... I'm like, the music's so good, even though it's not. I'm like, the music's so good. <laughs> in the moment, in the game, it's the perfect representation of what's happening and what's on screen. I think that's why, um, anyway, that's a, that's a discussion for Undertale. But 
that's, know, that's, an interesting that's the concept. Our 15-hour episode on Undertale coming in a fortnight or so. What's an interesting concept, Michael? So Netflix shows get cancelled if they lose growth. So Netflix doesn't care about fans anymore. If it a cares series, about getting more fans. Yes, that's all they want. If, it, if, the, if each series is not bringing more viewers, your show is doomed. It will get cancelled by Netflix. They need growth. So they're obviously going, in a way, you need to be producing something every season that offers something new. It can't be fan service. It can't just be a sequel that only fans will enjoy. It needs to get everybody hooked. And maybe in games, they still rely too much on... Because it's a very nerd thing to be sequels, series franchises like we like it with comics we like it with movies we like it with anime and tv shows we love long-running things we really get sucked into fandoms but modern entertainment is actually trying to move away from that so maybe games need to maybe they need to make sure they keep ticking that box of this can't just be another iteration because studies are showing you can't you won't maximise your dollars if you just put out of this part two. Even though gamers, that's all they want. You know, they want like, they wanted Diablo 3 for 15 years and now they want Diablo 4. And when Diablo 3 came out and it was like, let's face it, guys, it was pretty much the same game. Uh, They didn't like (laughs) it. (laughs) They were like, this isn't Diablo 2. And it's like, but... If it had maybe been bigger in scope, could they have picked up more fans? They picked up me, so I, like they obviously offered maybe something more. And you offend the fans, but can you actually get more people on board to avoid that repetitive iteration? It's just an interesting thing to see streaming. Uh, they're just against it, whereas traditional media is all for it. You want the next album of your favorite band, you know, and they want your favourite band to sell because they've already got lots of fans. But Netflix don't care about that. They'd like a new band, a band that you haven't heard of. It's just really weird and, like, no one's really done that before. It makes sense for streaming, though, because they want more people to keep subscribing. So, of course, they want a growth because they want to see that more people are signing up. Um, And that's just, I think, the change of the system, like, the way people... The way the money flows dictates how the businesses, what metrics the businesses want, and that dictates kind of what content you get, I suppose. Um, but that's that's a fun discussion. I think you guys have uh, definitely added some good opinions and thoughts into what I was internally thinking about in the last couple of months. Um, and it was mainly around Cyberpunk because, like, to go back to that, I do want to play it because, like, sure, it bombed on release. It was broken. It was buggy. It wasn't necessarily, didn't match everything that the developers promised. But if you just looked at that game as is, would it do better than if you take into account all those things? Is it almost, a in Matt's suggestion of having multiple scores, should a game be scored multiply in... This is 
externally, here's all the factors and what we think of it. And as its own piece, I don't, because I don't think those scores would always necessarily line up. Oh, definitely Well, that's not. why I think it would be a, a good one would be if it, how it stood and how it stands, because to me, that's like how it stood at first, but like terrible because of what we thought at the time. But then it, we came back to it later. We didn't have such a bad taste in our mouths. They'd updated it. And it is now like a really good game. That's what I would say. Um, but then also, like my final thoughts as well are for me personally, maybe you can think of more reasons, but for me personally, there's only really two reasons I play a game. Uh, one is, I don't have a easy way of saying it, but like the story, the art kind of thing. Like Journey has a bad story quote-unquote but it's so arty Mm. and it's like that's so that made it so good whereas and i but i didn't play it to have fun um and like death stranding i didn't inherently play it to have fun but then crash team racing nitro fueled i only had fun there's no story (laughs) there's no art I just played it to have fun. And so it's like maybe that's kind of how you would open the review. You'd be like, we're reviewing this under the pretense of art, which is maybe that's probably how I would go with Undertale personally. I'd be like, I'm reviewing Undertale as art. And so you don't really inherently need to worry about graphics because you're you're thinking about the design of it, you don't worry about gameplay because that's you're not there to have fun per se. And that's how I would I would make two formulae, so to speak, one based off of art and one based off of fun. In regards to cyberpunk, I you can't hide from what you're what you pretended to be. And I think, so I think a lot of the flack was not coming for what game was sort of left standing, but what a, but what game they they told us was like left standing, and it just wasn't the case. The company did not provide reviewers with current gen builds. You couldn't play it on PS4 or Xbox One to do a review. And the reason was is because they knew it was woefully broken on those systems yeah. and they hid it. And so they were always going to be up against it once you do that. So I do think that you've got like, to be honest at the end of the day. It can be whatever it is. And I think we'll judge it as it is if you just plainly say this is it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. On the note of money, because the thing is, like, the with Cyberpunk particularly, they obviously oversold the game so that more people bought it. You know, people paid in to something that they weren't going to get. It was a there's a word, there's a phrase for it. I can't remember what it is right now. But should a game's cost come into play on a review? If you know, if would um, what's something that did like 
fairly well recently that we reviewed. Like if Phoenix Wright was $60, $80 Australian versus $20, does that change the score? Yes. Yeah, I, I would say it does. Because I think, I think if you're reviewing, who are you reviewing for? Um, you're reviewing for people to buy it. So it's like, is it worth, like that's what we say. We say, is it worth your time? Whereas I think that should be kind of on the forefront of your mind is, is it worth your time and money as a reviewer? Because that's something that you kind of see. And I don't think many people like actually say it out loud, but it's something that we're all thinking of when a reviewer gets a game for free. We're like, well, of course, like, I don't think, oh, they're buttering you up per se. I think you don't know what it's like to have to put down the money. Yeah. For it. Avengers by Square Enix, made worse by the fact it was so expensive. And then there was still further microtransactions in it. So it was leaving a bad taste. Whereas mm. something like The Witcher coming in at your standard price being overflowing with content, you're going to be happy. I think I do really think that food is possibly the best comparison for games, because they don't they don't really work like movies. You know, the cost of a movie ticket is the cost of a movie ticket, whereas games are so varied they are like dishes from different restaurants, and every dish and every restaurant will set a different price, and you might be playing you might be paying for quantity, you might be paying for quality, you might be paying for a snack. You might be paying for a banquet, like, and you're going to judge them all together. Like, you're going to go, what I'm getting, buy price, buy what I thought I was getting. Video games are food. I'm, I've settled on it. No, it's, it's good uh, yeah. because, I, like, that's a good analogy. Think, right. So you've got a can of Coke for two dollars, but you've got a two liter bottle, but. Yeah, two-litre bottle of Coke for $2. Um, the can has been chilled. The bottle is warm. You're at the store, of course. If you're really thirsty, that can is worth it. But if you're not thirsty, if you're just doing groceries, that can is exorbitantly overpriced. And it's kind of the same for games. Like, consider... Like, it's so hard... To buy, imagine if they release Super Metroid, just like a re-release, on Switch and on phone, and both were $30. How much harder would it be to buy it on the phone? I don't think I would. I think I'd be like, $30 for a phone game? No. Even though it's the same game, it's an amazing game. But a $30 game on the phone is not... No. Sorry, I can't do that. That's my... That's the can while I'm quenched. Yeah, all right. I think you've all, yeah, I think that's true. I think you're right. Um, well, thank you for embellishing my discussion today. Uh, it's a good discussion. Like, obviously we could, I think we could legitimately, like, if for whatever reason the podcast fell through, just be like, keep the domain name. We'll make this little formula up. Like, I think it's something that we could do over time. 
I think the problem with the formula idea is that really each genre is independent. Like each, because like how do you compare an open world game like Witcher to Undertale, you know, and say that 10 is equal to that 10? I've already said scope. The Witcher's scope was massive. But surely that and then they're it delivered 10, a massive. But surely their 10, because it's so much more massive, is a heavier 10 than under. Yeah, and I agree. Like they're both, they both do exactly what they wanted to do. But, and I guess in the end, it's just, it's just different for what people want. So, like all these different review sites in the end make a lot of sense because people will just value the opinions of what they preference, you know. Um, um, anyway, this is a good, well, good discussion. My, my counter to that is Undertale's art, which is for fun. But then my even bigger counter, thanks to John Green, is some infinities are bigger than others. Oh, you know? That's beautiful. Join us next time as we <laughs> flip it and discuss food on No Time to Pepper Grind. <laughs> nice. Uh, and with that... <laughs> Spicy. <laughs> And with that, uh, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to uh, head over to Facebook. I really want to hear other people's opinions. So head over to Facebook. We have a Discord if you want to chat in there. We can put a whole channel about just the podcast chats. Um, What you can do to yourself, I'm going to do it right now, see what kind of experience I have, is if you go to night, I already flubbed some of that sentence. I thought I could make it through, but apparently I can't. If you want to head to notimetogrindpodcast.com, all right, you go there. I'm there right now. I can see the latest episode for me right now is Phoenix Wright. But you can scroll to the bottom and it's got, it, it is small, I will admit. They're not flashy buttons, but you've got Facebook, Matt's Twitch, YouTube. Um, probably quickest way, you can either go Facebook or Matt's Twitch, but quickest way would be my Twitch. And then there is a link in the about. I know that's a few clicks, but it's Discord, you know? And then you're also, while you're doing that, you're like, huh, he's funny, I'm going to follow yeah, you can find Mega Matt on Mega Matt Twitch at what's that URL? It's twitch.tv slash megamattex, but as I said, you can just go to no time to grandpodcast.com. Um, but that's it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. My name's been Adrian. I've been Matt. And I've been Michael. Alright, so I think I think your scope is a bit larger than so what you need to do is you need to market smaller you need to stop making so many promises because if you want a higher score that's what you're going to want to do i think our listeners are 10 out of 10 (gasps) the listeners are 10 out of 10 didn't need no formula for that